Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 545 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how you doing? I'm doing good, fit and ready to do a podcast. So uh, I I have my notebook here that I've been writing stuff down in. It all right. kind of began with, where did this begin? Oh, it was stuff that we had to do for um, homework on At Odds. Right. Because the first show notes that I have in here are from like Dracula Dead and Loving It <laughs> and putting together the Clone Saga stuff, you know? That is an uh, that's an amalgam notebook right there. Yes. So it's one of those things like once this notebook is done, like what do I do with it? Like it'll probably just get tossed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone would care for like my, you know, like I'm not a notes app guy. <laughs> right. That's your that's like your Charlie dream journal right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me, I have two separate notebooks. I have a notebook for both previewing the past and never before seen movie projects. And uh, then I have a notebook that's just for uh, the weekly shows. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, the regular show, you know? Now, see, for the regular show, to let everyone kind of in on the process, um, anything that I have, I need to have notes with, I just put in, like, the email, right? Mm-hmm. Because you get sent the version of the email that doesn't have, like, my pick, usually. Hopefully, yes. Um, for, the for like, <laughs> what I'm looking forward to most. Um, but then I'll have, like, other little notes and, like, little just reminder, little keyword things. And even, like, previewing the past, like, everything's in here. And the notes are mess. The, 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 the tablet's a mess, right? Right. Um, if you were to see what it looked like, it wouldn't make any sense. But for previewing the past, like previewing the past usually takes up literally like a third of a page because mm-hmm. it's it's literally like I write down page numbers. Right. And then like maybe I'll write down like a keyword next to that page number to remind me of something. Right. I'll know it when I see it kind of. A yeah. But now my my previewing the past is kind of the same way, except if unless there's something that's key in the like solicit that I need to bring up. Do you know what I mean? Like something that I find funny in the way they worded it or whatever. You know what I mean? So that I'll write so I don't have to be like looking for it. Um, and then obviously the the uh, the 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 movies are a little bit more because sometimes you have to have a lot of notes for that. Yeah. And then my notes for the regular show now are the Todd and Joe have issues part. And also because, you know, um, I'm not the glorious, like, uh, commentator that you have. I write down my notes for the opening spiel every every even show. That's what goes <laughs> into the notebook. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah. I can't just off the, the cuff, off the riff. You know, sometimes you'll see me with, you know, with my Todd cue card. So you don't have to remember anyone's fake names anymore. Yeah, I took that paper down and, you know, I, I, I think I framed it and hung it in my bedroom. <laughs> oh, boy. That name's never coming back. Trust me. I hope it will. I, I, it's going to get bought by one of the big wrestling companies. <laughs> it's gonna, they're going to engulf it. They're going to be like, hey, washed up person who owned it. Can we buy it off you? And that's going to happen. Well, <laughs> let's just say no. Okay. 
All right, so on to this show. News and notes. Uh, DC's done it again. <laughs> and that's really all I could say about that before we get into it. Um, the Fortnite book is bringing together a crossover uh, that I guess people never thought would happen. Except for the man who will be discussing in the Return of the Rob Watch. <laughs> That all rolls together. Um, digital books and sales. What we read this past week, which includes The Swamp Thing, number one, and Nocturna, number one. What we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd and Joe have issues as we continue down the paths of both Jonah Hex and the Spider Clone Saga. Uh, which one was more problematic this week? I'll give you a hint. <laughs> it wasn't my pick. Uh, Todd and Joe have issues. And spoiler-filled discussion in this order of the season premiere of season seven of The Flash and the season finale of WandaVision. Uh, we're still going to keep WandaVision here at the very, very end of the episode. I call it season six and five-eighths of The Flash. Wow. No, they did like, uh, how many how many episodes did they do for season six? I think they did like... Uh, uh, let me look at my handy dandy notebook here that I have this stuff written down in, huh? Right. I think they that like the next episode that we watch or the one after would have been the season finale. Yeah. So they did like twenty episodes out of twenty two. Well, twenty three, I would say probably. Yeah, but still. So uh, you know, let's say seven eighths, not five eighths. Let's give them a little yeah. bit more. All right. All right. So. Uh, Let's start with the good... Well, no, it has to go this way. The DC Comics news. <laughs> um, it's a new year. Um, I know there's that Outhousers site that doesn't really exist anymore because most of the people got hired away by Bleeding Cool. Uh, they had the whole thing, how, how many days has it been since DC has done something stupid? Mm -hmm. And they don't count stuff like this. They count more of, like, businessy decisions. Right. Where I count these as doing st stuff uh, stupid because um, there is a new Grant Morrison Superman omnibus that just recently came out. Mm -hmm. um, not only is it missing the names of some of the creators that were involved. Because uh, Sholly Fish, who does a lot of the all-ages stuff, I guess... Right he had done some of the backup features in the Grant Morrison action comic stuff. Um, his name where it does appear, it's misspelled. Right. So that's one thing, but not to be outdone in that very same omnibus. There's an entire page that just has no word balloons at all. Right, I have. A, it's not like they missed a word balloon; they missed like fifteen. Right, I have that in my Justice League omnibus. Now, in the Justice League omnibus, is it word balloons with nothing in it, or just no word balloons? Period. Word balloons with nothing in it. So technically, you can write them in if you want. Right, and that, so this is a new error where there's just no word balloons. Period. Right. And nothing in them. I I would have liked it better if it was no word balloons, but the words were there. Oh, well, that's the way you are with words. Um, 
I look at it as like it's not going to get any better, Joe, because like heads rolled and anybody who was making too much money got fired at DC. So now you have people who were making mistakes before and you don't even have like the the people who have all the, the you know the time under their belt to like I, I don't see if this is if it's only one set of uh, word balloons missing I'm shocked. Like yeah. I'm surprised that a whole like we aren't getting hardcovers with no pages between them at this point. Right, or you you order a $75 omnibus and you open it up and then just birds fly out. <laughs> right. Well, I would prefer just a uh, a boxing glove punch to the groin. Right. Point. Or it op- you open it, it just bursts into flames. There you go. Oh, we know. printed the entire omnibus on flash paper. That's right. The flash omnibus is on flash paper. Uh, and I laugh only because... You know, the, DC... You, you could say it's like, well, you know, DC had their workforce cut... And, you know, they let go a whole bunch of people, and this was solicited and printed during the pandemic, and so on and so forth. But this is like DC's M.O., man. (laughs) Yep. And as you said, I can laugh because I didn't buy one. Right. You know, and and I don't want to say, like, there was a time, and I still get, uh, you know, an omnibus. Not unlike a Funko Pop is a good gift to give the comic fan in your life. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's been a very long time since I purchased an omnibus for myself because of this very reason. You get a little gun shy because of this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, there's... And they're obviously... I I can't imagine during today's climate, their publishing climate, whatever, (laughs) that they're going to offer, like, a make good on this. Oh, no, I still never got... Anything with the Justice League International omnibus? They're like, oh, we have uh, we've made ones that have the word balloons filled in, but be and they're marked second print. But we ended up sending them all out saran wrap, so you know you can't open them up to see if they're second yeah. prints. And by the way, they're still mixed in at Diamond at the time with the old printing. So good luck with that. Now, I would assume that more people would be more uh, vigilant on these sort of things because it happens so often. Mm -hmm. But imagine there's an omnibus or two out there where maybe they were purchased as a gift. And maybe they're still in the shrink wrap. Or maybe the person got them just to put them on their bookshelf. Or Mm -hmm. maybe it was back during the time where the creators were getting them. The creator just has it in their collection, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And they never go and check, and there's some sort of, like, super weird error that's out there that no one's discovered yet. That's probably the way it is. But I think that's a little less because somebody probably reads them. You know what I mean? Um, Like, when they buy them. But (laughs) somebody reads them, but nobody's proofreading them before they go out is the problem. That is true. So, Joe, I did pre-order for, I don't know, I want to say it's April maybe it's coming out or May. The Who's Who Omnibus? Oh, boy. Okay. Will it be a new error? An old error? What are the odds that there is no error? Error? Like, I'm waiting to see what happens. Vegas called me. They're setting odds. (laughs) So this, it claims that it's going to be out next month. It claims second week of April, right? Okay. Huh. 
I think there's going to be a coloring issue. Okay. Um, because majority of the, the other issues that there's been is maybe pages out of order. Mm-hmm. That happened. There's a chance. With the, with the New Gods one, that, that, that happened with that one. Right. The big error that usually happens is with the word balloons. Mm-hmm. But there's no word balloons in who's who. There's usually prose uh, stuff. Exactly. So that, I think, is a little bit easier not to mess up. But mm-hmm. I can definitely see maybe, like, someone being colored wrong. Or, like, colors not being put in properly. Does that make any sense? Right. And do you remember when they put the borders in? Like, they didn't they didn't take them out when they printed it? Yeah. That's, that's another one. My personal Oh, that was thing- the Lois Lane one. That's right. Right. My personal uh, error that I think it's going to be is that somebody's going to use the wrong quality scans for a couple of pages and they're just going to be like pixelated. Right. So that's kind of like where my mindset is with the coloring issue, mm-hmm. right? Where there's just going to be something. I know I'm casting a wide net with it. Right. Um, but I just think when they're converting something that's this old, that doesn't have word balloons, it has to be in the transfer from the old style coloring to the new style coloring where the mistake is going to happen. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll thumb through it, you know, very carefully to see if there's anything screwed up. You get I, to be the canary in the coal mine on that one. What if I just get it and it's just, you know, 238 blank pages? You get to make your own who's <laughs> that's that's a good rib. I told you about that with the wisdom of Lobo, right? No. Years ago, there was a slipcase edition of Lobo trade paperbacks where it was like, okay, here's the Lobo miniseries with Bisley and Keith Giffen. You know what I mean? And then there was a best of Lobo that was, and it was a cho- kind of a choose your own adventure done with past stories. So that was the two. And then they were like, we're going to give you a third brand new Lobo story called The Wisdom of Lobo. And when you bought the slipcase edition and you pulled the Lobo, the Wisdom of Lobo out, it was just all blank pages. And their thing was, Lobo has no wisdom. Ha, ha, ha. There's your joke. People weren't happy. (laughs) That's a good rib, though. I like that. It is. And I remember they gave, that was like one of the things that they gave away four postcards in the slipcase edition and everything. I had that, but uh, I don't have it anymore. That's one of those things that I, I want to get. And our friend, the artist, uh, the guy whose ha- house you want to rob for art, wants to get one of those Wisdom of Lobo ones just so he could take it to, to conventions and just fill it with sketches of Lobo. Mm. So, like, make use of it, you know? That's not a bad idea. No, it's not. Not well. I'm glad that you like the gentle rib that DC gave to like yeah. everybody. Now, and see, I think you can get away with that in a book like a Lobo or like a Justice League Giffen Dematis era, you know? Mm-hmm. But if they did something like that in like Batman, Superman, Sandman, a Vertigo book or anything else like that. Right. Um, yeah, but I don't think you can get away with doing that. What if you're buying that Wisdom of Lobo? That slipcase edition, just to get that new story because you have all the other stuff. Then is it funny? Hmm. See? Still it's funny. not your money. What? Yeah. It's still funny. Gotcha. Yeah. 
I find it funny. I'm just playing devil's advocate right now. Right. So DC also more news uh, coming through the cycle on that Batman Fortnite book. Uh, looks like it's going to be uh, bi-weekly starting at the end of April. Still weirdly not on like any of the main like DC solicitation sites, I think. Mm-hmm. I got to talk to my retailer this weekend to make sure that I get it for my kid. I already stooged it off to him that I'm going to use it to make him read. <laughs> right, you told me. Right. Um, but they just announced this week that in issue three of the series, it's going to be the first time ever crossover whatever meeting between Batman and Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal, you know, because G.I. Joe is a different property, not owned by Warner Brothers. G.I. Joe stuff is currently in the IDW books. Um, now, where it comes in here is, obviously the reason that it's happening is because there's a bunch of licensed characters that are in Fortnite as well. Like, there's a ton of DC people in it, which is why the DC book is happening. But there's also a ton of Marvel people and Star Wars people and the Xenomorphs from Alien and the <laughs> Predator and stuff like that. Stuff that Warner Brothers direct competition owns right so it was like how could we spice up our fortnite crossover and use somebody else in fortnite that's not a fortnite character and it's like you got snake eyes and that's it right and we've worked with idw before so it's okay yeah well i'll say this so i'll say this um right so yeah they've they uh dc has worked with uh idw before doing the ninja turtles batman crossover book and that's only like about a year or so old Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, like, IDW also works with Marvel because they're the ones that do the Marvel all-ages stuff. Right. So it's interesting to see IDW technically working with the big two, you know? Right. Does that make them in the top ten, Joe? Um, For that month, it will. Okay. Oh, and they're, uh, also, doing, yeah. oh. they're also doing that uh, lock and key Sandman crossover if it ever comes out. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't know what the the update on that is. Right. But I'm glad that DC is kind of like putting some steam behind this. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether the book is good or not, you know, they have a halfway decent creative team on it. They're giving it a push to make it, you know, similar to the game with the characters that they have available to them. And it can only mean, you know, hopefully enough people that play Fortnite read this comic. And if this is successful, you know, I eagerly await the Marvel and or DC crossover with Roblox. Oh, and the fact that you get the chance to blackmail your kid to read, that's always a good thing. Yeah, that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So where we go to from here with this is, of course, we have Snake Eyes taking on Batman uh, in the Fortnite comic book. And that, uh, of course, is going to lead us into... Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now... The Rob Watch. The Return of the Rob Watch. Now, I find it funny, of course, the Fortnite thing, because in pitching his Snake Eyes miniseries... The Rob has said that Snake Eyes is Batman, Wolverine, and Spider-Man combined. Right. And 
I'm not really sure how someone can be more the Rob and be more the wrong at the same time. Wow. But here we are. Mm-hmm. So the reason that we have a the Rob watch this week, uh, the Rob had an exclusive uh, that in the final issue of his Snake Eyes Dead Game miniseries, uh, the, uh, I, so the the last issue will feature script and pencils by the Rob, but he will not ink it himself. <laughs> so what he has done is he quote has fulfilled a dream of mine. And to be honest, every one of these guys, when they said yes, my heart soared. So doing inks on this book is going to be including, but not limited to, Neil Adams, Jerry Ordway, Weiss Portacio, Carl Kessel, Joe Rubenstein, Art Thiebert, Philip Tan, Dan Pazan, Dan Fraga, Ed Piscor, Jim Rugg, Tom Scioli, uh, Corey Hampshire, Chance Wolf, and more. And the Rob is touting this as this big giant jam session with all of his favorite artists. Um, he continues to you know say that uh, this is uh, the most fun that he's had in over a decade working on a comic, so on and so forth. And listen, I'm a Rob, not apologist, but understander. Mm-hmm. But this is a book that, as we currently speak, is four months late. Right. Are um, you trying to imply something? Right. And this final issue states that it will be on sale in April. No specific date in April. Right. Didn't say um, what year, so though, it, either, though. What was that? Did it say what year in uh, that April would be? No, that's a good point. It doesn't say what year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by that point, the book will be minimally five months late. Um, I feel as though this is Rob taking a couple of his bucks that he was getting from this book and paying some other people to help him finish a book that he was already behind on. Joe, Joe, Joe. I think the Rob is telling the truth 100%. And it's not because this book is late. And it, this is what he, this is the plan from issue one, but it's just getting into so many legendary hands that it's taking a little time. And a little more time. And a little more time. But would the Rob ever stretch the truth? Not the Rob I know, Joe. Not the Rob I know. So I believe him 110%. Rob Liefeld, the Vince McMahon of comics. <laughs> uh, no, oh my goodness. that's That would be <laughs> way too inside. Um <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know. Um, is this these like twenty extra people inking Rob's work going to mean any extra sales than it was before? No, no. It just means that he's finally going to be able to meet his commitment and get this book out on time. Uh, well, out. Let's 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 just right pump, out pump, eventually. Pump, pump the brakes. But here's the thing, because you're the understander here, Joe. Does he think we believe this or Yes. He 100 Now, okay. He, he thinks we believe this. Does he believe the story he's telling? Well, it's from that that great episode of Seinfeld. 
it's not really a lie if you believe it. Oh, okay. I I think it's our fault because it takes two people to lie. One to lie, one to listen, Joe. No, so uh, the thing with the Rob is his fans believe him Mm -hmm. and everyone else, he doesn't care what they think. Okay. And he's not mad. Right, gotcha. So just, you know, it's the Rob. We got to give him his, his due, you know? Let's just say that's. I have a feeling that book that book is gonna look busy, Joe. You think so? That many inkers? Yeah. Oof. <laughs> it's literally gonna be someone inking every page differently. Yeah, pretty much. And the other thing is, I know. Um, so the Rob is plotting the book, and I know his. His scripter, Chad Bowers, someone that he's been working with maybe for the last, like, four or five years. No mention of him at all in the article. Right. Did you say he's plotting the book or plotting the book? Well, the book itself is plotting. Gotcha. But he's plotting TT, the book. Mm. Well, plotters are useless anyway. I mean, he mentioned that last week, didn't he? (laughs) So why would he give any credit to the new plotter? He doesn't give credit to the old plotters. Um, no, the, the scripter, the scripter. Oh, plotter, scripter. I forgot there was a, there's the Rob hierarchy in comics, so. The more names and the more credits that you can give yourself on a book, that's more paychecks on royalties. That is true, that is true. So is he losing royalties on all these inkers for that last issue? Well, that's, so that's what I'm saying is, I think he's just, like, the fact that he's giving up, like, whatever his inker check is. Mm-hmm. Just split it 20 ways. I think he might be after dipping into his other checks as well. That's the true businessman I've come to know for the, from guess. the Rob. Uh, uh, anyway, enough about him being a good businessman. Let's talk about us being good <laughs> business people. Soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, all the shows in our grouping of like minded individuals, all of their shows can be found on their own individual sites, their own individual RSS feeds, but they're also in one stop shop place, and that's soon to be named network.com, whether it be this show, whether it be Longbox Heroes After Dark, whether it be Puzzle Warriors 3, whether it be Profane Arguments, At Odds with Wrestling, Wednesday Night War, Final Wrestling Place, all of these shows, anytime they go live, they will appear at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, Anytime any of those folks go on any other shows and they let me know, it'll also appeal appear at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. More good business people. Our local shopkeep, Comics on the Green, he does a very g- brisk comic book mail order business, subscription business, brick and mortar retail business. We have a link to his Facebook page. That's where he does most of his business publicity. Through there, if you want to get on the mailing list, if you want to get a subscription, you want to get your books mailed to you every month, I cannot think of anyone better to do it. I love seeing when Dave tweets out or fakes Facebooks out people all over the United States. Like I saw some guy like I think in Idaho who mm-hmm. like where like Comics on the Green is his comic book shop. You know, that's right. crazy. I love it. And I think one of the things that entices people are those fancy uh, sketches that you can sometimes get from our friend Becky. You can go check out her original art over on her Instagram page. And uh, I don't know, 
she gets a lot of feedback and pushback and interactions with creators online for the stuff that she does on variant covers. I don't know. Ask, check out her stuff. Ask her to do a commission. I'm sure she'd be happy for, for the business, if you will. That's right. Uh, other creative friends of ours doing stuff out there. Jason Sandberg's Jupiter and uh, 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 Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. Both of those are over at uh, their respective Comixology pages. Friend Rick Williams has his The Chop Shop where he does all of his cool resin stuff. That's available over at freekaratechops.storeenvy.com. And my friend Kevin, who does the House Show podcast over the Retro Network, he also does a blog, video blog, essays, all sorts of things over on his website, masklibrary.com. He actually wrote something very, I would say, not poignant, but something that a lot of people are overlooking in regards to these banned Dr. Seuss books that have just recently come out. And I use banned loosely. Right. You know, um, Kevin's a real smart guy. Um, if you just re if you just believe what you read on Facebook, check a second source is all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so all the links to those will all be in the show notes of this episode and every episode, uh, digital books and sales this week. Um, it's, it was like International Women's Day on Monday, and then this is also International Women's Month as mm -hmm. well. I'm not really sure how that works, but I'm okay. Everybody have every day you want. Just let me know in advance so I can make sure that I'm acknowledging it the way that it's supposed to. Um, right. Some of the sales this month, or this week rather, um, the Dynamite ones are holdovers from last week, Women in Comics. James Bond, uh, Dark Horse, those are Dynamite sales. Dark Horse has video games and women in comics sale. DC has the wonderful Women of DC sale. Uh, Marvel is having a sale focusing on Teeny Howard, the creator there. She's getting a lot of uh, uh, bigger, high-profile books. I think she's doing a bunch of X stuff currently. And they're also having a sale on Empire. Remember the crossover Empire, Todd? Yes. The the crossover that was delayed by COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, it's already on sale. So if you missed it, it was good. Um, I'm not really sure what sort of lasting effects it had in the grand scheme of things, other than the swordsman coming back. And he was a plant, wasn't he? And he was also a plant man. Oh, More on plant men later. Right. <laughs> Uh, but all the links to all of those sales will be in the show notes here as well. Mm -hmm. So let's get into what we read from this past week. And uh, let's start with The Swamp Thing, number one. Right. Uh, written by Ram V with art by Mike Perkins. Now, I know we had spoke last week trying to decipher some of these new DC books. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because last week when I was looking at DC site, we couldn't I couldn't tell from what they they give you for the cover because they put like the way they frame it, it's either too big that you can't see the whole cover or it's <laughs> too small where the word comic book covers up like the upper left hand corner. Right. And last week it wasn't in there that this was a 10 issue maxi series and you told me that it was. Mm -hmm. uh, but now they do they've updated the solicitation text on their website to say that it is a 10 issue maxi series. 
That's good. I wondered if it was an ongoing and, you know, they, they changed it. I don't know. Maybe they didn't get enough sales or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, may, or maybe this is one of those things where, like, this is the story that he wanted to tell, you know? Yeah. I, I, it's just one of those things that always shocks me. Well, I guess they'd have to know because you, you don't just put one of ten on a cover on the spur of the moment. That's, you know, at least a month ago they knew. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't like when they do that. I just wish we always talk about it. Solicits were straightforward in what you're getting. If it's, you know, an ongoing or one of whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but that's just one of my pet peeves added to the list. Yep. So this is the introduction of a new swamp thing. It's not Alec Holland. It's not, um, the representation of the green, like we saw coming out of the Alan Moore thing. There actually is, uh, a human host, if you will, for the Guardian of the Green, as they call it. Uh, so we're getting to learn this new character's backstory, uh, his relationship with his family. All the while we get the story of, I guess, what would be the opposite number, what's going to be the villain of this, which um, they don't call him this, but if <laughs> Levi Kamel is Swamp Thing, I guess this thing is Desert Thing. Okay. So what'd you think of this issue? Um, I really love this issue because I like uh, the beginning where the, like the cops are, are finding the dead bodies and it's like, Oh, you know, it's probably this, or it could be that old, you know, urban legend that's around here. And I'm like, it's a swamp thing. I'm putting all my money on the urban legend. Right. Mm-hmm. But this book, like falls squarely into like the swamp things origins of horror. And man, does it do a good job of that. Like, I'm not a big horror guy like you are, but this book, the art is beautiful. And there's like a a, a moment where uh, the main character is having like a vision on a plane and like there's an explosion of of plant life. And the way it's done, like coming out of his eye, it was like it freaked me out for a second. But overall, from like a desert thing and everything like that, I really love the feel of this book i i feel like you know we're far enough away from alan moore you don't want you never want to be the guy after the guy this is the guy after the guy after the guy and so on and i think you know we're not going to compare it to all those old stuff but we may a little bit and i think it 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 clears the bar in that area of the horror and the look and all that stuff it's everything i want from a swamp thing book let's put it that way yeah um, I was kind of joshing a little bit with saying that thing was swamp, uh, was desert thing or sand mm-hmm. thing, I guess. Right. Um, but that origin, like, I think if you're coming into this book, reading a book called The Swamp Thing in 2021, you know enough about Swamp Thing, whatever origin you want to take of his, to get you into this new character, right? Mm-hmm. They don't need to give you all of that. So that they could focus on the other. And the other is the the villain, if you will. Where they spend more time establishing him, building him up, giving him the origin. And uh, Mike Perkins' art is great in this. Like, everything looked horrific. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the sort of stuff I like in a comic book. Uh, technically, it's a superhero book. But I, I would say this is probably more horror. Uh, I, wish Ver- I, I wish Vertigo is still a thing. So this could be like a proper Vertigo book. Uh, but again, like I said, I, not knowing anything going into this, I didn't know it was going to be a new human host. 
I didn't know the new villain. I just enjoyed the future state stuff that Ram V did. And I'll always give Swamp Thing a whirl, you know? Swamp Thing's one of those characters that I really like. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, the only thing I was a little confused on is if the new character was actually the Swamp Thing. You know what I mean? Because it was a little, like, uh, ambiguous as it was going on. And I'm still not 100% sure he's the Swamp Thing. I really? Think some, yes. I think... Uh, that he's controlling the Swamp Thing, but I think it's like it seemed like he was kind of maybe inside the Swamp Thing, like in the in the in the plant stuff. But I think Alec is still there somehow. I don't know. Oh. I, I just I I looking at it, I'm not 100 percent sure he's the Swamp Thing. I didn't get the same read, um, but maybe there'll be more clues to kind of lead me that way, or. Right. Whatever. I could see Alec popping up in this book, but I could also see Alec not popping up in this book. Right. If that makes any sense. No, I get you. Yeah. So check that one out. And then uh, the other book that we both read from this past week uh, from Image is Noctera, number one, written by Scott Snyder with art by Tony Daniel. Uh, So this is a post-apocalyptic sort of world where like the entire world goes dark and mm-hmm. there's these shade creatures that possess everyone right if you stay out in the dark too long it, it possesses you yes um and they the, the book is i guess split up into three sections because we have the bit of like the before it happened like everyone knows where they were where it happens And our lead character, Val, has a very specific thing that happened with her and her adopted family. Uh, Then we get the current day stuff of they give you all of that explanation of what the world is now. Mm -hmm. Um, Her driving the big rig across the country, um, you know, transporting people, you know, out of harm's way into what's left of the good areas. Right. And then we get the third part, which is the person who the person and his daughter who are looking for passage. And I guess the best way I can say it is the person who's after them. Yep. So. Uh, the fir- it was a bigger first issue, so there was a lot more to digest, um, but I think they give you uh, just the right amounts like they give you very thin premisey stuff when it comes to the the shade the the monster creatures or whatever it is so that if and when you see a bit of it like there's a part where the first sign is that your gums start to turn black or whatever it is right right and then that becomes a thing in the book but the gums turning black is the first of like six things that happen to you Mm -hmm. we don't delve on all six things it's like we give you the six we brush over them and then we get one in this issue like, okay, it's been a while since I've read a Scott Snyder book. You know, his stuff hadn't been clicking with me at DC for a while. You know, I'm not a DC dark metal guy. Uh, but I really like this book. I thought it was a good first issue. I think, and when I say this, I'm not going to say, like, I don't want you to think it's, like, uh, the most amazing thing I, I ever read. But I think in I will give it to S- Scott Snyder is that this is a perfect first issue. In storytelling, 
Yes. Whether you like it or not, that's, I'm not going to go down that road, but I do believe like I read it. He gave me the world, a bit of how it happened, the stakes that are there, what like ramifications of the world that you live in, like uh, cures to things that of the ramifications, the, some of the stages um, like, yes, like all these things, a hook at the end to be like, you know, like who maybe somebody is and how, like how Val's brother is, is involved in all this. Like, and it was all done flowing in and out of each other without ever being boring or seeming very like, here's just exposition to explain what I have to explain. So in explaining it, it was still entertaining. Um, so I actually really enjoyed this. I, I wasn't going to pick this up, but do a series of events. We did an audible and, and, and we were going with this. Um, and I basically ended up going like when I gave my list this week, I'm like, do you have any Noctera number ones with the Tony Daniel cover that aren't the super secret variant or whatever? And I was like, put it on my list because I'm going to give this a try. I'm not a Scott Snyder guy after a certain point on Batman and the metal stuff lost me and all that stuff. But I just hope that he doesn't get like, I hope that this doesn't turn into like Val fighting gods at some point. And I don't think he will, but that's the only thing I worry about is the, the that I always say about Scott Snyder is it's got to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I just like what this is. And if they don't like blow it up too much, I think this could be, you know, one of his, one of his, you know, gr- great projects. I certainly hope so. Cause I think mm-hmm. he has another image book coming out maybe next month. Right, I'm not sure on that. The only one that I know of, isn't there a Jeff Johns one coming out? That's the one that I'm looking forward to. I That's think. what it is. Jeff Jeff Johns has one coming out. Yes, And yes. Gary Frank, I believe, with him. Right, okay. Um. Yes, yes, yes. My mistake. You know, it's it's crazy that um I can mistake Scott Snyder and Jeff Johns these days. Yeah, but it's weird because two like mainstream DC guys have an image book. Which is yeah, kind of kind of weird, but uh, yeah, and I, I just I just find that 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 totally interesting. Um, and doesn't Scott Snyder have like uh like didn't he say he was going to do more witches? Wasn't there a book that he did at Image called Witches? Yeah, he had witches. He had Undiscovered Country that I think wrapped up. I forget, but I think Undiscovered Country was co-written with someone else, mm-hmm. and then they did the witches thing where. It was, you could only get it if you got, like, the image previews. You know, like, when they did, like, the, the, the new Negan story that would only be in the image previews, and then it wasn't. But I thought he did a straight-up miniseries that you could buy. Cause we, no, okay, we so he did, Witches was a 12-issue miniseries, and then the lead into the new miniseries was in the image previews. Oh, okay, the new, but okay. with the pandemic, and I don't think Image does their own separate previews anymore, at least in print, I don't think they do anymore. No, no. Right, so those two things have kind of put, a, like, a, a hold on that. Right, and probably all his work at DC, too, you know? Right. Kind of the way we're not getting any more fix, or, you yeah. know, or uh, Southern Bastards. I still have them on my list. One day, I do too. But I, I've told you, I don't think Southern Bastards is coming back. Let's just put it that way. Uh, related but unrelated. I just had it in front of me before, so I have to check. The last issue of the Goddamned the Virgin Brides. Mm-hmm. 
uh, is approaching the Rob territory at four months late. Well, he's got to do those. What is it? The doesn't he? Is he doing? Well, he's doing Avengers at Marvel, and he's doing Heroes Reborn. The Heroes Reborn thing, and we talked about it all the time. The Punisher versus his uh, Max Punisher versus what was it? Wolverine. Wolverine. You know, it's where the follow the money, Joe. Yeah, that's okay. So that's what we read from this past week. Uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them shipped to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd has a very lean list, almost like a slender read of a list, <laughs> and uh, he is ahead with one correct guess. And uh, this was um, last week was my because this is a five Wednesday month here in March. Mm-hmm. So I had like two medium weeks. I had two tiny weeks. And then I have this giant week where everything's just all piled up. Yes. So I'm looking at your list. And I'm going to say the thing that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Immortal Hulk number 44. It's not. (gasps) Is it Redemption 2? Nope. Oh. Then it's got to be Joker number one, right? It is Joker number one. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in definitely like that, you know, because DC's the all-back company now. But Tinian's, Tinian's run on Batman I've really loved. And I thought his Joker stuff, up until I honestly don't think he stuck the landing too well in issue 100 with Batman and Joker. But Joker's like, ah, I'm going to go off. And I also have this plan with Punchline. I'm like, I'm fascinated by this because I really liked his Joker up to that point in uh, in his Batman run. But I'm looking over your list. Yes. And I'm going to guess... Is the book you're looking forward to most, uh, Immortal Hulk 44? So, under normal circumstances, it would be. But it's not. Is it the Joker, or is it Nonstop Spider-Man 1? Nonstop Spider-Man number 1. Now, I should have asked, are you getting the die-cut variant cover? I want to get the die-cut variant cover, but Mm -hmm. there's a Scotty Young cover. Oh, see... If it was a rub the blood cover, I know that would have been your, number, your top one. Right. I always get such a kick out of people when they talk about variant covers of stuff like this. And they always bring up that Malibu book that had the, the bullet hole in it, you know? Right. I believe that was, wasn't that Tom Derenick's? That was Tom Derenick who did it. Yeah. Yeah. So every time that I see it, it's like, oh, that stupid bullet hole cover. And I'm like. <laughs> I know the guy who did that stupid bullet hole cover. I'll never forget because uh, whether it was QVC or the shopping channel, they were selling that book. And I, you know, we knew the guy and it's, it's on the thing. And it was, it, uh, it was always like, and we have this new bullet hole variant or whatever, you know, whatever you call it. It was by Tom Daenerys. And that's so, no, it's, it's Tom. Uh, they just constantly got it wrong, you know? It's Durenic, not Daenerys. I miss the days when the Home Shopping Network and QVC would be hawking comic books and 
baseball cards and beanie <sighs> babies and all sorts of jazz like that. I'll never forget. I was watching it. I was watching that kind of stuff in high school with friends and they're like, and I would just groan whenever they would turn it on because it was that whole thing of like, they're like, you like comics. I'm like, I don't like any of this. This is all these guys. This, the, 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 it was after high school, actually the height of the speculation market where you're like, there's nothing here that's going to be worth money. And it's some guy in a terrible outfit who thinks like he's dressed like the Riddler, but not the Riddler, you know, hawk and stuff and hype and stuff up. Like it's a license to print money. I'm like, I heard all this and I'm trying to not curse here. I've heard all this stuff at conventions <laughs> from people, from the people trying to, you know, sell me garbage. Like I know it's on. They're like, Oh, like I'm like, I wouldn't buy. There's not one thing that I would buy here. And I always just laugh, but I will admit I watched every one that they had a comic special to see what kind of crap they were going to sell next. Oh, I got that off my chest. I feel good. I know a lot of the baseball card and Beanie Baby stuff. Uh, uh, not a lot. A good chunk of it uh, exists on YouTube. I wonder if the comic book stuff exists on YouTube. Oh. That'd be an interesting uh That'd be time capsule thing to line to like line up with previewing the past when we get there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because again, we're not there yet in previewing previewing the past because that didn't really start uh, doing that on the QVC until like ninety two, ninety three. Right. They had if they had the chance at the start of it at Silver Surfer fifty, they would have, but they didn't know yet. Right. All right, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done before, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, or the uh, current ongoing Todd and Joe Have Issues, where I am reading for the first time the mid-2000s run of Jonah Hex by Justin Pamiotti and Jimmy, uh, or, uh, yeah, let me, poof, Justin Gray, Jimmy Pamiotti, and Todd is reading for the first time ever the Spider Clone Saga. Just the hits, the highlights, the high spots, if you will. Right, because all the Jonah Hex, all, every issue is a high spot. Uh, sure. <laughs> so I'll defer to you first to start talking about Spider-Man. Okay, so I start with uh, Amazing 398 Spider-Man. Um, yes. Written by Jammed Maddies, which obviously shows once again... Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, put my cards on the table that like, I've actually been enjoying his issues at least definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, and the art by Bagley, like, uh, like I said, what, what can I have anything bad to say about Bagley? You know? So, um, basically it starts out that Peter is super happy that, uh, MJ has told him about the baby and it kind of gives him like, he had a bit of a new lease on life with the serum, the cure and everything. But uh, uh, he, he he that he that didn't work. He doesn't know know it at this point. But now it's starting to seep into his brain that you know maybe it didn't work. Um, he's you know just just happy, and I, it's kind of like seeing that old like the old Peter kind of come through. So he's like, we're gonna go out to dinner. MJ goes okay, but she's like looking out the window thinking about like she's like oh like. Just uh, he got bit by a radioactive spider and it didn't do anything bad to him. But what can it do to my baby? Kind of a deal. So I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. That's an interest. That's an at least a a, a legitimate concern for her. So uh, they, but they also decide that they have to go tell Aunt May before they go out to dinner. And this is 
probably my favorite scene in the books. Like, and one of my favorite scenes in the 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 overall story of the clone saga. They go see because he's like, I heard that people in a coma can can hear you, and we get to hear it from Aunt May's point of view. Like, she's like, oh, like Peter's talking to me, and. All touching. The whole thing with Aunt May, like being, she's like, I want to go, but your voice kind of brings me back, kind of a deal. I kind of goosebumps about it. I really like Jam's Aunt May dialogue. And I look forward to tons of it, Joe, because this clone saga goes on forever. So we're obviously going to get a lot of Aunt May. Oh, boy. Um, so they do <laughs> fun- <laughs> So they do go out for dinner. Right. And uh, Peter's starting to feel sicker and sicker. And he ends up uh, getting sick in the restaurant and his spider sense kind of goes off. But now I was a little confused because somebody comes over to help them and MJ goes, you're not, you know, like, oh, thank you. We've been coming here a lot and we don't know you. And he's like, oh, I don't work here. Is this detective? What about me? What about Raven? No, I don't think so. Um, So. He doesn't. So what he says is, or you know, because I have this in my notes, of course. Um, she's like, "Oh, uh, you must be new here." And he goes, "No, no, I've worked here for a long time. Maybe you just don't remember me." Mm-hmm. And then he kind of like runs out of the building. Okay. See, I thought there was something different when I read it. I thought she was like, "Oh, we've been coming here a long time, and we're we've never been here." And he says, "Oh, I don't work here." Huh. I could have swore he said, "I'm like," or she asked if he's new here. Right, and he, and he says, goes, oh, I don't work here. So I thought he was, what about, Detective, what about me, what about Raven following Peter? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, you're right, you're right. Yes, 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 my apologies. I okay. think that he is Detective Raven or someone who works for Detective Raven. Again, when you see the different art styles between different books, sometimes it's difficult to tell sometimes who ancillary characters are especially one that hasn't been ingrained in your psyche, like a J. Jonah Jameson or an Osborne. You know what I mean? Cause they give them little things that no matter what, they will transcend different art styles, like the, the Norman Osborne hair or the Jonah mustache. Yeah. So this guy just looks, this guy actually like, I was like, could it be, could it be uncle Ben friend? You know what I mean? Like old, old sure. guy. So that, that happens. But his spider sense goes off and I don't know if it's because of him or because Doc Ock's outside, but he goes out uh, and, you know, ends up seeing Doc Ock while this is going on, uh, stunners on her own. And Kane is watching her, but giving him, giving her a warning to stay away from Doc Ock, but a real quiet one. So she can't hear. She's not 100% sure. She's like, is someone there? And I'm like, not a great warning, Kane. That's all I'm going to say. So Doc Ock uh, says like, you know, uh, I get, I gave you this, the serum, but like, I, I have it fixed. You're going to die. He goes, uh, Peter doesn't want to take it because he, he doesn't trust him, but he ends up, uh, taking it anyway at a last dish effort and Peter dies and he sees Aunt May once again, great dialogue from Aunt May because he, she ends up telling him like the Peter Pan story and the second star on the right. And he goes into the light at the end of this issue. Uh, like he's dying. So once again, Aunt make whether she's real or not, I don't know if he's actually seeing, you know, ghosts or whatever, but all around the high spot of this issue was the Aunt May stuff. Yeah. So, uh, JM underrated writer, just in general, mm-hmm. you know, he wrote the Craven's last hunt at the same time that he was writing, co-writing, uh, the, 
you know, the golden era of Justice League with uh, Salty Keith, you know? Right, which I always say is the equivalent of doing Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, obviously, the, the Aunt May stuff, listen, I get you. The near-death experience with Peter at the end, of course. Um, so, one other thing that I wanted to mention, where they do the bit with Stunner, right? Where she's mm-hmm. off on her own, and she's kind of having her own inner monologue, you know? Right. Um, there's a part right before the bit with Kane where it says, Stunner, you're some, you're something else, girl. You're your own dream come true. After all those years trapped and suffocated, heavy and frightened and sad, I'm free. I feel alive. Mm-hmm. So they're teasing something more with her there. It's not like it, it, it's not the A story. It's not the B story. It's not the C story. It's not the D story. But it's something that's like very interesting that comes up as a revelation with her, right? Right. My only thing with that was because we were talking, you're like, oh, I'll give you her origin if it's not in the issues that we read. So I'm not 100% following her stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I, you know what? Like knowing what it is, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. They are giving you enough clues. Okay, fair enough. To make that, you know, a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So now another thing, and this is where we maybe run into even this early in the run of the Mm -hmm. the spider clone saga. Okay. Cause you have, you know, it's one alleged editorial office doing this and you have four minimum writers at this point and more and writers would come on and off the book as we continue here. But in the previous issue of of this story arc in Spectacular Spider-Man 220, it certainly feels as though Doc Ock thought that the serum would work and not be temporary. Mm-hmm. But in this issue, he says, I always knew it'd be temporary. Which, just like, because it's, it's two different writers. So it seems like not knowing, like, is this them trying to play Doc Ock as duplicitous? Because there's the part where, like, he's trying to convince Peter to drink it. Peter doesn't trust him because Peter doesn't have the memories of, you know, the traumatic experience that he had in Spectacular 220 of him and Doc Ock doing this. He's not sure if he should believe Doc Ock. He drinks it, and then you get, like, those three panels where we end up knowing Doc Ock is attempting to save Peter, but just the way that the panels are laid out, it's like, it gives you just enough of a doubt of like, is he lying? Mm-hmm. So I really thought that was very well done as, as well with all of right. this. Right. And again, of course, you know, Mary Jane at the beginning of the issue, uh, postulating, lamenting, what have you in regards to what S- Peter's altered spider man DNA might do to their unborn child. Right. That is an interesting, you know, wrinkle as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, JM is only with us for about seven or eight more issues. Which is sad because yeah. <laughs> though I hear there's a there's a tearful one coming up, though. Maybe. Maybe. But uh so that leads us into Spectacular 221, I believe, right? Yes. I have that written down. So Peter, you know, is the go- ghost Peter at this point, and he's seeing ghosts of Uncle Ben and and his mom and dad, and they're like, come in, you know, take take the weight off your shoulders kind of a deal. But then he ends up seeing uh, Harry Osborn. And Harry's like, you know, come, like, whatever. And I was just like, I, I kind of like that. And he's like, no, no, this isn't for me. I'm going to go back. And 
obviously while this is going on, Doc Ock is trying to, you know, his heart ha- is overloaded from the serum. So he's trying to bring him back and he's, you know, doing the shock thing and, and everything. And he ends up, he ends up doing it. And Ock is, you know, Ock is happy that regular Peter's back and he's kind of like, you know, this is you know, our dance can can continue. You know, I've made you the carefree one that the hope that I've always been the yin to my yang kind of a thing. And he ends up like Peter's like, are we going to dance? Like, are we going to fight here or what? And there's people outside and he thinks it's like his, his, his henchmen or whatever. And they come in, it's the police. And Doc Ock is like, I'm surrendering. He's like, I'm going to give you time to rest up. So you, and this is where it like turns. Cause I actually like Doc Ock, like to this point, like the whole, like, cause he's us. So he like, we want the, the Spider-Man back. And now he's like, all right, I got my Spider-Man back. Now I can destroy you. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, okay, that's interesting. And I'm going to go sit in my cell and I'll escape at some point and, and I'll, I'll come out and get you. So I thought that was kind of really cool. Um, so while he's doing that, like, uh, stunners making her plan to break out. Like we didn't know at the time, like Ock wants to break out immediately before he even gets to jail and stunners getting ready to, and Kane shows up and he ends up knocking her out with like some gas grenade or something like that. And, uh, so they kind of go to the thing, but Kane ends up busting him out of the, the transport on the way to jail and they end up having a fight. And like Doc Ock is kind of, I like the, the, the pompous, I like pompous villains and Doc Ock's like, I don't know who you are, but you come here and like people like Spider-Man and Captain America, like have said, I'm, I'm a worthy opponent. So you don't stand a chance. Spoiler alert, uh, Joe Kane does stand a chance and he ends up snapping. uh, I think snapping his neck. I'm not 100% sure on that because it's kind of really weird. Um, And he gives him the mark of cane or whatever. And then like, it looks like he snapped his neck, but when stunner shows up after she wakes up crying over ox body, he's gushing blood. So I'm not sure what he did kind of a deal, but while all this is going on, Peter's like, Oh, we're Oh, happy day. While Kane is fine. Like it's going back and forth between story where Peter and Mary Jane are like, you know what? I've come back after me running around. You've cleaned up the apartment and I brought a crib and we're ready to start our new life. So we get the, the, the new life that they want to start plus with web of death, but it's Doc Ock's death. So I like this issue a little less. I, I liked something like this one seemed fast and quick kind of a story where the, uh, the first story by jam, I want to say it was bloated, but he knows how to write dialogue. So you get your money's worth where this just seemed like a quick read. And I think Sienkiewicz's art this time was more rushed. It didn't look as good as last issue, mm-hmm. but that's my take on this issue. So just to kind of go backwards with everything. Um, so Doc Ock, that's not blood on his face. That's mm-hmm. Kane doing the Mark of Kane thing to Doc Ock's face. But right, look by his hand. Do you have the book right next? to I you? do. Look by his hand on the last page. Isn't oh yeah, yeah. Blood he's he's in a he's in a puddle of his own blood, but he has the mark of Cain thing on his face. Right. So I don't know where all the blood came from because it looked like he snapped his neck. Uh huh. It was just confusing. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. For but, sure. And um, then I have one other question for you. While Peter's having the visions, and okay, the thing, we're I gonna get to that. I didn't write down the name and I should have of the person he sees. And he's like, Hey buddy. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. 
He okay, so that was in the Amazing Spider-Man issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was um, what was his name? Hang on, I'm just trying to think. I had it written down. Um, but he was like an old, like an old. I say old from the '80s, from JM's run on uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man, mm-hmm. who was like Peter's rival at the Daily Bugle for Spider-Man pictures. And okay. he ended up dying of lung cancer. Okay. Yes. I thought that was in this issue. I, that got blurred. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, so we have stuff in this issue. Um, because we, 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 the first, in this issue, the first person that Peter sees is Uncle Ben. And then he sees his parents, right? hmm And there's the whole bit where he's like, these are my parents, my real parents. And Uncle Ben is like... We all wish we could have found a way to warn you about those fakes, but that's the past. And there's no simulacra, no doppelgangers, no imposters here. Pause. Uh, back around issues 370s or so, uh, Peter's parents came back with a backstory that they were like secret agents for S.H.I.E.L.D. They mm-hmm. didn't really die. That's why they've been gone away. And it turns out that they were just like robot imposters made by the chameleon, right? Right, but was it Peter's parents actually S.H.I.E.L.D. agents? They were. But, but they're actually dead. Okay, I get you. But they're actually dead. But this was like, the like there had been like a story or two in the past about that. Mm-hmm. But this was them in these issues coming up and like confirming this information and saying we were never dead. Um, you know, we're, we're back. Right, and then there was the whole doppelganger things from like one of the Infinity books. Right, like the infinity Which, well, thing. So that's you know, and again, I, I bring it up. We've brought it up a couple times here um, in previewing the past. That's right around the time in those issues of Amazing Spider-Man where this happens. Mm-hmm. Like we'll be getting to the solicitation for three seventy-five or whatever, where Peter's parents show up. Right now, it'll be spoiled for me. Right. Um. So then, in the next thing. So, um, Uncle, so Uncle Ben's like, oh, there's no simulacra, no doppelgangers, no imposters here. And then Pete says, and I bet there aren't any clones either. Yeah. To which Uncle Ben says, well, um, er, that's something you don't have to worry about anymore. Yeah, because he's dead. Uh-huh. That's the reason why. So, um, obviously, they're painting this as though Peter's on his way to the afterlife of course, but if you know the answers to things, this is just kind of like the afterlife that Peter's imagining for himself. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we get the bit where, um, you know, uh, Doc Ock's trying to revive him, and before he can go back to the world of the living, he's stopped and brought back to this in-between world by Harry Osborn, right? Mm-hmm. Um... And there's a specific panel here that I used in the uh, in the uh, show post for this, which was, mm-hmm. you have no joy, no happiness, and it's all my fault. This is the G- Green Goblin's last chance to make amends. Right. Just a random panel in this book. That's really all it is. Really right, fun. right. Maybe it means something, or... Maybe it means nothing. I don't know. I think it means nothing from Harry. <laughs> right. Um, but I said last time that we talked about uh, the Amazing Spider-Man versus Spectacular Spider-Man 
issues when we're talking about issues written by J.M. DeMattis versus issues written by Tom DeFalco, uh, you could tell who's the better writer when you're reading yes, the you... issues right back to back, you know? Yep, especially reading them back to back, yes. Yes. So now, uh, we all done with that one then, I guess? We're all done with that one. So now on to the carefree origin of Tallulah Black. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe similar themes here, of course, um, with the little girl mm-hmm. that we meet at the beginning of the issue. Uh, she's fishing. She pulls the fish out of the lake and she like smashes its head and, uh, she stumbles upon Jonah who's hanging a guy and, uh, says to Jonah, um, you know, if Jonah's the one who did this and Jonah's like, no, I didn't. But I ain't going to cut him down either because he promised me those boots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the little girl says, that's not very Christian of you. And she kind of pulls the guy down to advance the process. Mm-hmm. And Jonah says, they teach you that in church, right? So that little kid comes up a couple of the times during these next two issues. Because we now go to the origins of Tallulah, uh, Tallulah Black. Mm-hmm. So there's a group of guys now in these two issues they they really start to lean heavy on the dialogue for the characters being very westerny right right so you know sometimes they talk very clear sentences and then sometimes like in the next issue jonah and tallulah when they're talking to each other it's very like like uh (laughs) what's the word i'm looking for Old timey, eh, a little old timey, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially, what it is is these rustlers are going around and they're kind of um, attempting to take over people's land by law. That if the people there are dead, then the government says that they could just take it over. Am I understanding that correctly? Uh, right, they're kind of like we, we asked for you to surrender your land to the government in accordance with the reform uh, reformation. So they're they're just thugs trying to take. The land, like they're like, we're gonna pay you, but they're like, oh well, we're we're gonna fight you. Well, if you're gonna fight me, we're just gonna shoot you, and nobody'll even know. So they're kind of working for the government, but yeah, the, they shouldn't be doing it this way. If you get my meaning, right? Um, so there's a part where like Tallulah kind of stands up to them a little bit. They gun everyone they're down, which is mostly just women and old folk. Mm-hmm. Um, and after everyone gets shot, specifically Tallulah gets shot in the eye. Uh, guy says, best we clear out now, no need to burn it down, everyone's dead, and, uh, the land will end up being forfeit to the government, uh, and we'll just tell everyone we came upon them and they were already slaughtered, right? Right. So then the aforementioned little girl comes upon Tallulah Black, and, uh, is like, hey, um, you know, uh, you wanna come with me? Come to my house, have some supper. I'm I'm on my way through here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think maybe that little girl's an allegory for death. Could be, Joe. Could be, could be. I do like the line she gives him though. She's like, she shows up on. She's like a the a little girl now. It's just a day like this makes a cemetery man smile, and I'm like, oh, that's just cold, man. Uh huh. But anyway, so flash forward a year later. Uh, and it says Little City, those same uh, rustlers, those same guys that just shot up that area uh, come upon uh, Little City and they come upon 
a brothel. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to pause here just for a second and say uh, this is a non-comics code, regular DC Universe book. Okay. Mm-hmm. They come upon the brothel where there's multiple women in there smoking opium. Um, the the leader of the crew says, I'll take the lady there with the one eye. And then he uh, recognizes her as Tallulah from a year prior. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of uh, verbiage. I can't repeat here. No. No. No, you can't. No. Um. So she starts to kind of come to when she realizes it's this guy, Simon. Um, he says, again, a lot of words that I can't repeat here in 2021 that were just printed fine at a comic book in 2006. Mm-hmm. He hits her a bunch, um, says what he's going to do to her, and what he's going to do to her is very bad. Mm-hmm. And then he does those things and one off, you know, one off panel thing. And then we uh, go to the doctor and apparently he's kind of messed her face up even more. Uh, there's a doctor there with the madam of the brothel. Um, She's kind of saying, like, if there's nothing you could do to fix your face, I'll pay if need be. Um, Doctor's like, well, we could sew it up, but I'm not really sure what it's going to look like afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, they ask him about, do you think she'll ever be able to have children? He's like, like you'll be lucky she survives the night. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the 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 person in charge of the brothel is like, no, uh, that guy Simon and his men left. Um, you know, there's very little law here. We don't even have a sheriff. And the doctor says the famous words that. Everyone speaks in a Jonah Hex books that she deserves revenge. Mm-hmm. Three weeks later. Time uh, doesn't heal all wounds, Joe. No, we see Tallulah's face and the artist here is Philip Noto, who's a little bit more softer of an artist, a little bit more, um, and I'll say a little bit more pretty of an artist, right? Mm-hmm. But I think to his credit, he does a very good job of conveying the bruising, the scarring, and what has happened to Tallulah. Yep. He was a Disney artist for a while. Yes. So, like, he knows his stuff, and that's something that I'll talk about as, you know, when I, when something pops up. But anyway. Um, so the, uh, proprietor, the proprietor of the brothel essentially says that to, 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 to Tallulah, the men who did this to you should be killed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's no sheriff. There's no deputy. The person that you need to kill them <laughs> is Jonah Hex. Right. And she goes, I've never met him before. I only know of him through secondhand information. Um, but he's a bad person. But if you want your revenge, he's the one that's going to be able to do it and fix these people for you. Mm-hmm. gives her a handful of money says last i heard he was in new mexico good luck right gives her a gun too and gives her a gun now three weeks later again uh jonah of course is getting the drop on some folks as he is wont to do and uh they come upon 
uh, Tallulah in their escape from Jonah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, well, we're going to take your horse and we're kind of going to leave you stranded. Give us that, you know, and leave your gun holstered, if you will. Um, she says, take my horse, but pray we never cross paths again. So she walks into town from wherever she is. She passes out in a shop and Tallulah Black continues to have even more bad luck. <laughs> yes. As the shopkeep man that she passes out in in the room of. He puts her in a, I guess, a bridal gown. Yep. Uh, ties her up to the bed in the back. Uh, calls her Annabelle, uh, and says, "Best be nice to me, or you'll end up in the yard like the others." Yep. But her luck does start to turn around as she tries to free herself. When you know who comes into the shop looking for munitions is Jonah Hex himself. Mm-hmm. So she's yelling and hooting and hollering in the back, and he's like, "No, no, that's just my wife. Uh, you know, she's a she's a drunk. She's going crazy." And she's like, "No, my name's this. This guy's has a hostage. Uh, I'm looking for Jonah Hex." So it just so happens that it is Jonah Hex. He comes in, frees her. She kills him. The the shopkeeper. Not she Jonah kills Hex. the shopkeep guy. Uh Jonah says, or she says to Jonah, I've got a bunch of money buried in the desert somewhere. Uh, We can go get it. I'm going to pay you to help me kill these guys that did this to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jonah's essentially like, nah, it's your own problem. You know, they're not wanted men, and that's kind of my thing. Um, And he says, go ahead. And says like, like, you know, and you don't even have enough money for me to kill them. You know what I mean? She's like, "Uh uh-uh. Yeah, I don't want you to kill him. I want you to teach me how to kill him. Yeah, because she's and he's like, because all you need, if you really want these guys dead, all you need is a rifle and some bullets. And she goes, that's not the issue. She goes, I want it done. She goes, I want it close and personal. I don't want a gunfight. Mm-hmm. So uh, she shows enough moxie to Jonah that he's like, all right, I'm gonna help you. We're gonna have to work on your aim, though. Let's go. That's a great shot, too. By that's the, the end of issue sixteen. Right. And I love, like I said, you'd feel noto this kind of stuff. Like when he walks in the shopkeeper and the shopkeeper's like, oh, it's just my drunk wife. And he's doing like little things like the classic while the guy's looking in, like to say, my wife's in this room. Jonah puts the gun up to his temple. Like, like Phil Noto can do like moving stuff. Like, like you feel like that he's putting the gun in his face kind of a deal in a single panel. Like he knows because he's a Disney artist how to make this stuff. Like Tallulah throwing the knife at Jonah, trying to get his attention. He's like, "Ah, oh, you got to work on your aim." He he's one of my favorite artists on these books, and he does he does the next issue too. But that's like I just wanted to do that, and like his thing with the after Tallulah takes care of the shopkeeper with the knife, and she comes out with the bridal gown. Whew, that looks like you know it might be a Jackson Pollock painting at that point. Right, just, I think maybe she spilled some raspberry jam on herself. Mm-hmm. Just woof, just stuff. In the tussle, man. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next issue, uh, she is being assisted. Tallulah is on her aim as we see a guy who has the wanted poster around his neck. Unfortunately, we don't see his name, sadly. I was like seeing the names of these folks that are the wanted posters. Right. Where uh, she is shooting the bottles out of his hands from a distance and then says, put the bottle on your head. Um, he does. And, 
Jonah says, I'll give you one shot. He puts the gun around. He puts the guy's guns back on and says, you know, if she doesn't kill you, you can kill her. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so she gets a shot in the leg from it. Uh, he's going to help heal her up with, uh, by, you know, old timey Western medicine by like burning a knife and just cauterizing the wound that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a bit back and forth of them while they're waiting for this guy to die, sitting around the campfire. And she's questioning Jonah about his life decisions, specifically about killing men for money. And Jonah, in a great line, says, you know the difference between a six star and a bull, or silver star and a bullseye? And he says, a more expensive burial. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we get the information that they've now been together on the trail of these people, the the... the uh, the training of Tallulah for three months now. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Tallulah is still haunted by what happened. Maybe there's some romantic interlude in the warmth of the campfire. <laughs> but that's not important at this point. That, that'll that be important many years down the road. Um, So they bring a bounty on that guy into town. Jonah's going to go collect, tells Tallulah go, to go to the bar and just start asking questions, you know? Uh, these guys will end up shaking out eventually. And wouldn't you know who comes walking down the steps is these guys. And the one who gave her all her scars, especially. Right. This guy, Simon, right? So she just starts opening fire in the middle of town. Uh, the, the, the sheriff says, Jonah, we need to stop this. And Jonah stops the sheriff, says, we have to let this play out or you and I are going to have a conflict of interest. Um, you know, these folks, if they're stupid, if they're stupid enough to not get out of the way, then they're stupid enough to get shot. And, uh, once it comes out into the street, Jonah kind of lets it happen because it needs to happen in public. It needs to happen in front of people. Mm-hmm. So the two of them, Simon and Tallulah unload their revolvers at each other. They're both out of bit. They're both out of bullets. Simon apologizes and says, what I did was wrong. I admit it. Isn't that enough for you? And uh, she says, as far as last words go, that's not impressive. He makes one final uh, ditch at one of the guys that are laid out guns. He gets a shot at her, but not the final shot that's needed. And Tallulah ends up getting uh, Simon dead to rights on the ground. But she seems to be worse for wear. Jonah takes her into the doctor in town to patch her up. Um, she ends up pulling through. And in this one, Jonah, for the, like, so for the first time, other than, so I say the first time, like, we're 17 issues in, right? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, Jonah is very cold and standoffish to most people. Uh, we saw the uh, little bit with, uh, Batlash, where he opened up with Batlash a bit. The uh, Native American guy uh, whose name escapes me, where they kind of had like a back and forth, like buddy cop almost relationship. Mm-hmm. And El Diablo, too. Okay, and El Diablo. And now here, this little bit that he has with Tallulah, where he kind of gives her that little bit of information about his backstory, which I'm sure Jonah doesn't share with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So while he's having this conversation with Tallulah, we flash back to that little girl who was fishing at the lake. Right. Telling Tallulah to come with her. Saying, I hear him calling you. There's nothing back there for you. You could be at peace here. 
And Tallulah says, the time, there's time for peace later. And she comes back. Love this stuff. And it, mm-hmm. like, it was poetry, so it rhymed sort of stuff that we had this sort of stuff happening here with Tallulah Black. And in the Spider-Clone saga with Peter and Aunt May and sort of stuff. Like, we couldn't have planned these things kind of to work out better if we tried. No, we couldn't. Um, um, so she comes back to life. Um, but Joan is like, well, I'm off. You got your revenge. Uh, somebody else is going to have to teach you to live with it. Boom. Great ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two issues, um, everything I've read so far has been really good. These two issues have been my favorite so far. These are good. And Tallulah Black is one of my f- favorite Western characters. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just, she has, she has, let's just say though, like, because we've tiptoed around a lot of stuff with this issue. These issues were controversial back at this time. Well, I can imagine. Right, because you've seen some of the stuff that's been in this book, like, and you've you've tiptoed around it too, being like, you know, oh, like, you know, the villains have the 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 women in the wagon or whatever, and he's and it's like, this this book got a bad rap for that kind of stuff, and Jimmy Palmer is like, you know, like, West was a bad place, you know what I mean, like, but it, you know, and somebody even did a website where, like, every time something like that subject came up. That like he would like the way I did how many people Jonah Hex killed. You know what I mean? Like there was a count for that kind of stuff. And and this one was creepy. And like Tallulah comes through it. And because of the fact that they're both scarred up, they have a they have a bond. I love Jonah and Tallulah together. And I don't know, because you've hinted at stuff. I don't know how much you know of what comes between Jonah and Tallulah as this book goes on. You know what I mean? Um I remember her popping up in the All-Star Western run. Mm-hmm. But obviously, like, these stories are kind of told out of order at times. So, right. yeah. And it's been a while since I've read that stuff, too, you know? No problem. Because, yeah, because, like, the, the, the All-Star Western stuff really doesn't touch on any of this much. You know what I mean? Like, like the, it, it, the All-Star Western, as far as I'm concerned, was in the Jonah Tallulah heyday. You know what I mean? Whooping it up, maybe having some romantic liaisons kind of a deal, you know? So, but anyway, I'm not going to, I'm trying not going to, don't want to spoil too much, you know? Absolutely. So next week, uh, we have to read two more issues of Amazing, or of Spider-Man, uh, mm-hmm. Web of Spider-Man 122 and Amazing Spider-Man 399, the beginning of the smoke and mirrors story arc okay and then we just have one issue of jonah hex to read and that's jonah hex 18 right so nice and easy there um i don't think we have anything like too too crazies where we have to read like five or six issues again uh in a single week with that sort of stuff until we hit that one uh original hardcover jonah hex story yeah, and that's a little ways away, and I even have things broken up here over the next couple months, where it's like two issues of Spider-Man, one issue of Spider-Man, two issues, one issue, one issue, one issue, two right. issues, two issues, right, right, right. So, you know, there was a bulk here at the beginning that we needed to get through, and there's a bulk in the middle, and there's a bulk at the end. Right. But we're moving along, we're moving along. Yep, hope people are enjoying it. While you're over at longboxheroes.com as well, checking out Todd and Joe Have Issues, be sure to check out our store where you can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. You can also head over to our Public store where everything 
this week as you listen to this. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is 35% off. Mm-hmm. And that's fancy logos from this show, After Dark, Adults with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, on everything from shirts to pins, not pins, to phone cases to tapestries, all sorts of crazy stuff that you can get over at Public. And like I said, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 35% off. And, uh, and so, again, this week's sale is weird. It's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. I don't know. But those yeah. are the dates to order through Tee Public. if you're looking to order through Tee Public, You could also sign up for our Patreon, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get two extra episodes of Todd and I every month. One is previewing the past, where you could hear the trials and tribulations there over on After Dark. And the six never-seen movies, where just coming up here shortly, we will be watching the 80s exploitation comedy parody from the Wayans Brothers, I'm Going to Get You Sucka. Uh, like I said, as little as a dollar a month, you get those two shows every month. Uh, $5 a month and up, you get those two shows two weeks before everyone else. And you get After Dark about three to four days before everyone else. Mm-hmm. One more way that you can support us, of course, is making any and all of your purchases through the Amazon click-through at the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the advertising fee. Yes, sir. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include someone purchased... Um, a variety of guitar equipment, and I know who that was, but the one that jumped out most notably was the More Eyes Guitar Capo for, uh, for acoustic guitar, ukulele, electric guitar, bass with guitar picks. It looks like it's a fancy stand for a guitar. Right. It looked like some sort of weird shoehorn in the picture. No, I know what you mean. Uh, somebody also purchased the complete series of Return of Ultraman. Uh, somebody purchased Funko Pops of Marvel WandaVision, the Scarlet Witch, and a 2021 <laughs> Spring Convention exclusive of The Deep from the Amazon TV show The Boys. Right. Uh, he has his top on so you can't see his gills, sadly. That's the one I would have oh, held out for. Me too. And somebody also purchased the Lego Star Wars Rise of Skywalker Millennium Falcon. That's a big one. Those big Lego sets scare me. Yes, they do. Yes. I like the new Super Mario ones where it's kind of like in between a Lego and a Duplo because they have to put like extra like electronic bits in there. So it makes Mario noises. Mm-hmm. I'm a Playmobil guy myself. <laughs> You didn't watch the? Have you seen the? the have you seen the uh, Playmobil movie, Todd? No, I missed that. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, you're gonna put that down as one of. But anyway, I didn't see it either. So, well, maybe that'll be on. No, it's hot either. So maybe we'll put that on the Patreon movies. <laughs> maybe. So again, thank you uh, to anyone and everyone who's made any purchases. Whether you're signed up for the Patreon, you've made a purchase through us directly. Uh, you've bought something through the T Public Store or gone through the Amazon. Click through. All of it helps. All of it is appreciated. All of it is acknowledged to the best mm-hmm. of our ability. Yep. So I think that's it for the main show because we have. Oh no, my Todd's heart, heart attack. 
Todd's Art Attack. Todd, did we have any Art Attacks this week? We had two um, from D- our, our good buddy DJ. He got a Craig Rousseau Young Hellboy sketch in that he was very excited about. Uh, met Craig Rousseau, a nice guy at cons. That's a wonderful uh, little sketch. And look at the whammer on that guy, Joe. That big fist. <laughs> All right. That's from the movie. You remember that? I... You know, I seen that movie and it didn't stick with me, you know? Okay, that's one of my favorites. It's like, look at the whammer on but kind of a deal. Um, and also from Sawsome, oh, oops, I'm sorry, from Sawsome, he got a art book along with a few prints and a sketch of Ultraman Orb Origin from the Fantastic Kickley. Um, I'm wondering if the, he also got the the Ultraman DVDs, but that is pretty cool. And I'm a sucker for Mazinga. So the Mazinga in the middle with the half robot half like diagram thing that's oh, sure. that's my favorite little print and i had one of the i had one of the mazinga robots when i robots when i was a kid that would fire the missiles out of its fist with the choking hazard thing luckily i survived but oh that's yeah, all yeah. I, think, I think in america it was like transor z or something it was called right i think it was still called the, the one i got was mazinga but yes there was some transor z stuff too uh-huh Cool and uh, hey, he doesn't tag like he doesn't tag Todd's art attack in a lot of the stuff. But I would be remiss not to mention go check out uh, our buddy DJ uh, on Twitter at the Dooge and on Instagram at the Dooge. He's been doing a lot of art himself. He got a tablet, so he's doing he a lot got of one digital. of them fancy Apple tablets, mm-hmm. and he's doing a lot of cool stuff. Whether you're following him. On Twitter, on his Instagram, or on his Facebook. On his Facebook, he's actually showing the process. Right. And you know how I feel about the process. You have to trust the process. I like seeing the process. I like to see how these things are built together, how we start with blue lines and end with a finished product. Um, But DJ is a really good artist. He's done a lot of graphic design work for people that we know, friends of the show, friend of the show adjacent types and so forth but uh i i really say go check out his stuff yep uh so now we're gonna get into tv talk yes yes okay so we're gonna start with the flash uh season premiere and then we're gonna end with season finale of wandavision if uh you haven't watched either of these things you don't want to be spoiled you don't care whatever thank you for listening uh, episode, you know the name. So number 545, Longbox Heroes, we bid you do, And uh, give me just one second to uh, start opening up some new links. Okay. Do I have that? I do. Okay, perfect. Perfect. All right, so season premiere of The Flash. Uh, picks up where we kind of sort of left off last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say uh, Eva McCullough. Yeah. Lady Mirror, Lady Mirror Master, which I think does her a disservice in calling her that. Right. When she's done up in her evil garb, they do her, I, I don't think it's a wig, but they do <laughs> her a disservice to her hairline. What? And it makes it look weird. Didn't notice, but I figure, you, well, if anybody would, it would be you. Yes. So the main thing, of course, is that Barry is without his speed. He's left with just 1% of his speed left. 
Uh, he's been sleeping in a cryogenic chamber and only alerted in the most dastardly and the most extreme of situations. Right. Uh, but it turns out that they are able to create a artificial speed force. Right, like his daughter learned from in the future. Right. Um, because of the multiversal, the multiversal particles <laughs> that are in Nash Wells from all the other council of wells that live with inside him. Right. That they could take those multiversal particles and use those to power the artificial speed force to in turn give Barry his speed back. However, they need an organic receptor and Nash is too chicken to let it be him. Right. Well, to be fair, it's going to kill him. And he's like, well, let's look at uh," like that was when it comes to this, that was the one problem I had with the episode where they're like, so he's like, "Ah, I don't want to sacrifice myself for just yet. Let's see if I could figure something else out. Didn't go over well with people though. Right. Um, he, he should have been more upfront and that's always an issue in these TV shows. Um, in that so many problems would be fixed. Right. Um, if people were just honest with each other and forthcoming with each other and told them what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but they're not now there's other stuff going on in this episode uh stuff with Iris and the, stuff with Cecile and the top Gold, the top yep um I don't know is that stuff important no because they killed the mirror master that was in previous seasons because apparently he was a mirror fake or something like that yes so I was like ah don't care and I never like that was a gender swap top. Anyway, like I, I like I because that was originally a guy in, in the comics, but whatever, like I just all of it didn't find any of it interesting. It just moved the plot along to get to the thing they had to stop at the end of the episode. That's all that. You know what I mean? As far as right. I'm concerned. And the Irish stuff in the Mirrorverse, I'm like, let's get her out of there already. It's been like I feels like it feels like it's been a year and a half she's been in there. But that's probably how long she's been in there with COVID. So if it, it, the the Irish stuff in the mirror verse, this episode felt like a refresher of what um, uh, um, Eva has already been doing to her last season. Mm-hmm. This felt like just like, hey, this is a reminder that Iris is still in the mirror verse. And these are the things that I could do to her to mess with her. Right. Because you probably forgot what I could do. Mm hmm. But because it was a retread of some of the stuff that Eva has already done, Iris kind of sort of figures out, like, okay, I know you've done this to me before. I know you're just playing with me. I know you're doing this to try to keep me off my guard because you know I can get out of here. Right. So at least that was something. But no Cisco, no Caitlin in this episode. Right. Um, Very no little of our cast in the same room together, which is good because of, I'm sure COVID protocols. Let's not have everyone crammed together on the same stage. Right. Set, what have you, but it was very noticeable. 
Yeah, and there was two characters missing, Joe. Why? Oh, okay. Well, I mentioned Caitlin and Cisco, but because of what Eva has done to frame everyone, quote, Sue and <laughs> Ralph have gone way off the grid. Mm-hmm. And Wait. to which I say, or Sue. Mm-hmm. Sue's taking the flack, you know? Well, I'm sure we're going to get some sort of story at some point where Sue comes back and says, they got Ralph. I don't know what happened. It looked like he was a goner, though. <laughs> but he changed right. his face. Well, you're okay, right? All right. Mm-hmm. But he changed his face with his stretching abilities. Oh. That's what's going to happen. He's gonna, yeah, they're you, just think gonna... so? you think they're going to recast him? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Hmm. I'd bet the farm on it. You know what I mean? But we had fun bits in here where those multiversal particles went into Barry. And then Barry was every Wells ever back and And forth. So it's always fun when, uh, what's his face, Uh, does all the Wells. Uh, Tom Kavanaugh does all the different Wellses. Mm -hmm. But it was funny to see uh, Barry Grant Gustin do his impersonation of Tom doing his impersonation of all the other Wells. Right, and I'm just going to say, because I found it amusing myself, but it shows you how good of an actor the guy who plays Wells is compared to Grant. I like Grant, but Grant's were just so cheesy. You know what I mean? Like, where, like, when Wells was going through all the ones, like, I felt sad because he's like, oh, here's the original. You know, here's this Wells, and here's the Sherlock Wells and everything. And I'm like... Oh, I miss it. Oh, they're all dead because of crisis. And I'm sad. And then it would just be like, wow, Grant just sounds terrible as Sherlock. You know what I mean? Like, But he, I, I get what they were doing. But he it was showed- giving it a try. He was doing it to the best of his ability. But mm-hmm. if we didn't just have like 10 minutes earlier, uh, right. Tom Kavanaugh, like just nailing it, just knocking right. it out of the park. Just crushing it, you know? Yeah. But then, Joe, this is the only thing that went into my mind was – um, because in the end, Kavanaugh Wells says, all right, I'll be the, the, the organic receptor and we'll put all the particles in and I'm going to die. But every person who's genetically been a Wells is going to be in, in this speed force. Um, did anybody think about the fact that when Wells was seeing all the other Wells, Zoom showed up? Uh-huh. Uh, do we really need? Do, do we think that a uh, zoom might be in that artificial uh, speed force, Joe? Well, it's gonna—it's certainly gonna be a way for him to come back because I think they're gonna get to some sort of point once the Eva McCullough stuff is wrapped up. Oh, would we get the revelation that Eva McCullough is a mirror duplicate? She's not the real Eva McCullough, right? Because her husband wasn't bad this whole time. The reason he never saved her was because she was actually dead, right? Um, so once that is wrapped up and I'm sure that'll be like the third, like third way of the season wrap up. Mm -hmm. And then we get like the thing that'll lead us into the second part of the season. Right. And that'll be them saying like, you know, well said that he's in the artificial speed force. Maybe there's a way that we could save him Mm -hmm. and bring him back. I have a feeling that like, this is going to be the end of Wells's now. Uh, you think so? Yes, but it's not going to be the end of Kavanaugh playing Reverse Flash. Right. So I think what's right. So they're going to try 
to get save Al Wells from the Speed Force, and they're going to bring Zoom out instead. And it's going to be that moment like, hey, we saved Wells. And then you hear that vibrating music sound that they do. Yeah. And it's going to be, uh-oh, <laughs> we done messed up. <laughs> so I was happy to have the flashback, even though it felt like three different shows that were kind of not connected together. Right. It was, um, it was still stuff. good. It was, the, the, main sh- the main story was strong enough that I enjoyed it. And it was happy to have an old friend back. Yes, that's the best way to put it. Wasn't yeah. the best. It wasn't Flash at its best, but it wasn't Flash at its worst either. No, for sure. Uh, so I guess that's it for Flash. And uh, now it's time to get into uh, WandaVision, the season finale. Mm-hmm. The big dukeroo, mano <laughs> y mano. Um, okay. So we get more of, you know, the big revelation at the end of the last episode where uh, Agatha says, you know, you are the Scarlet Witch, right? And just, you know, and they, they do a really good job of kind of clarifying this for someone like me who is like, well, you know, like, what's the difference between Scarlet Witch and the Scarlet Witch? And they kind of explain that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that Scarlet Witch is, you know, supposed to be, or the Scarlet Witch is supposed to be the one that kind of brings about, like, what, Armageddon? Kind of, it seemed like, the one to rival the Sorcerer Supreme. Right. Um. So help me out here. Right, so she ends up saying, like, you you have the power to, like, rearrange or destroy everything. And she has the Darkhold, which is the book of uh, Agatha now, has, like, the book that is the key to it all, I guess. Yeah, Necronomiconics Mortis, yes. Yes, which I guess was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I don't oh. know. So no one knows it exists. Exactly. <laughs> um, so while this battle is going on, um, Wanda uses her powers to just, like, toss a car at Agatha, and it looks like she's done for. And mm-hmm. while Wanda's going to check the wreckage, this is when White Vision shows up. Right. Uh, the actual Vision, um, not the one that Wanda created. Right, the empty husk body deal. Yes, but then the the Vision that she created then shows up, and those two visions have a big, drawn-out battle throughout the town. Right, and then end up having a f- philosophical conversation. <laughs> right. Um, now, I will say this, you know, we're, we're at the point, of course, where there's so much done with CG. And, you mm. know, we're watching it on TV, so the CG may not be as strong as if you're watching an actual movie. Uh, I think they did a really good job of the battle between the two visions without making it so obviously noticeable that we were just watching computer images on a screen. Ironic that it's two robots, you know? Right. No, I think they did a good job on the effect. Well, Disney's pumping the money. It's the same thing. I mean, it's not much different than seeing the Mandalorian. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But I think it stands out a little bit more is because they're using everyday items that we see in our life. So when I see a computer-generated version of a ship... That's not real where I see a computer-generated ver- version of an Audi. You're like, oh, okay, that looks a little off. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
But anyway. Uh, so uh, Hayward is back at their little location for S.W.O.R.D., watching the whole thing. Um, Jimmy Woo is brought in in handcuffs, kind of makes a false threat that his FBI people are going to be here in an hour. Hayward says it doesn't matter because Wanda, quote-unquote, canceled her show, so there's no proof of anything that we did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we could just easily take Wanda down and there's nothing that you could do about it. Uh, But luckily, Jimmy gets his hands on his cell phone, uses uh, some of the sleight of hand that he learned from Scott Lang, (laughs) Flourish, and is able to get out of the handcuffs and actually make good on his bluff in the hopes to get his FBI cohorts there in an hour like he had threatened Hayward with. uh, In the attempt that was to get Hayward to move up his timetable to try to take down Wanda. Right, and when he calls, he says, hey, Clint, do you think it was Hawkeye? Hmm. Is Clint FBI? He's not, but he's government. Maybe he that's who he called because he would kind of know who they he would know who they are because when they got arrested for for helping Cap during Civil War, Clint and Ant-Man got amnesty to be able to go home to their family. So if Jimmy Woo was looking in on was looking in on Ant-Man, why wouldn't he look in on Clint and know who he was? Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm doing vague stretches here, but like, cause obviously they got their, they got everything cleared after they saved the world from Thanos. I'm just thinking he, he, he was like, I could call the FBI or I could just go straight to the source and call Clint to get me help. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. That's the way I look at it. Well, while this is going on, the fight between Agatha and Scarlet, Witch is weakening the hex apparently. Right. Right. Um, so not only is it weakening the hex, um, Agatha is able to kind of push the hold that Wanda has on all the people and they all start coming, excuse me, toward Wanda, just saying like, please let us go. Like what you've done to us is terrible. And Wanda is just kind of, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to make of all this. Um, you know, kind of putting a a rough spot there, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we also see that Monica is being held captive by uh, Age of Apocalypse, X-Men First Class, Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. But we then learn that he's apparently just an actor that was hired by Agatha. And he has a charm around his neck that is making him have the Quicksilver powers, which Monica figures out, pops off his neck, and then she's able to get free to come out an attempt to help matters outside of uh, the house that she's in. And this is also when um, the boys also are back at the house after Wanda had sent them away. They could realize that their parents are in trouble as well. Okay. I want to touch on the, the Quicksilver thing. Okay. So his name was Ralph Bonner, Boner, whatever. Cause he uh, does. The- yes. He does the gag about it. So he was the Ralph that Agatha was always talking about. But now, um, I've and this is all speculation. I, I, I'm of two minds on this because I've seen people online. This one isn't mine. Is that he is the uh, witness that in witness protection that Jimmy Woo was coming to see because uh, like he has this like thing where like he laughs at his own name. 
You know what I mean? Like, so I'm thinking like, this is the name that he got and he finds it funny and all this. So is he like the Pietro from another world here? Whatever. There's a whole bunch of stuff on that. I don't think so much that he's that. I think he is, uh, that this is the most meta thing in the show is that we wanted it to be Pietro in the worst way. Kind of the way Wanda wanted everything to be the way it was in her hex. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they fooled us. We became Wanda at that point. Like we're going to give you Pietro. We're going to give you the X-Men stuff. We're going to think the X-Men are coming in, but you're fooling yourself because you have grief that there's no mutants in the Marvel universe right now. I don't know. That's I'm of two minds. I don't know if you have any ideas or theories on any of that stuff. No, I don't have any theories. I like your theories. Right, but I do think he's going to come back. I do think, because Wanda's supposedly going to be, spoiler alert, she survives the series, um, and goes into uh, the Doctor Strange movie. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it this wasn't the end of Ralph Bonner, if you know what I mean. Yes. So, so with all the townspeople of Westfield around her, uh, Wanda, they're essentially telling her uh, that her grief is poisoning them. Mm -hmm. with this hold that they have over them. So she makes the decision, okay, if this is what I'm doing, I'm just going to take down the hex that's surrounding Westview. But in doing so, the boys and the vision that she created start to get unwritten as well. Mm -hmm. So now Wanda needs to make the decision is to sacrifice her family or sacrifice these innocent people. Right. So she, in the midst of this, Enough time that the hex is down for enough so a good chunk of Hayward's men can come in. Mm-hmm. She then puts the um, the hex back up to save her family, but it's too late. She and the family are surrounded by his military goons. Vision flies off to finalize his battle with Husk Vision, White Vision, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, then Wanda flies off to have her final battle with uh, Agatha. And so this is the part where um, I would say Hayward's hubris is at an all-time high, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, he's in front of his men, who sure are following his orders, but I'm also certain that there's probably, you know, a few townspeople maybe somewhere around, even though they were all told to get away. Right. Uh, Hayward just decides I'm going to open fire point blank range at two children. Right. And think I have no repercussions that are going to come from this. Uh, Luckily, Monica is there to stop the bullets and save the kids. And luckily Darcy shows up in the, uh, the cotton candy ice cream truck (laughs) to slam into Hayward. But like, I don't know, like when do we transfer over to, uh, covert black ops evil to pure cartoon mustache twirling villainy where we just open fire in broad daylight on two children. Two fake kids, though, Joe. It's okay. That don't matter. Hey, you listen. I'm, I'm with you, but at this point, I do believe he kind of knew that the kids weren't real and the vision that Wanda created wasn't real. And he's like, eh, these kids have powers and can stop me. I'm not worried about fake, like, do you know what I mean? Like, so I don't see him. I'm not saying he's a good guy, but I get, cause we've come to know and love these kids. But as a government agent, it's like, 
I'm not going to get any flack for killing two imaginary, magically beamed into the world fake people. He'll be fine. But he goes too far with everything else. That's how he's going to be taken down kind of a deal. So I don't see him as mustache twirling villain. I, At that point, like he's so different than everything that's come. I don't know if I'm making sense what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't have any kids, so I don't care. I don't look right. at it that way. But uh, like with, with all that going on. And then like Vision in his battle has the battle where they discuss the ship that's slowly rotting. And like which Vision is the real Vision. The Vision that kind of has a lot of his memories. Or the, the body that doesn't have anything. And he touches the power thing on the White Vision set. So I'm kind of wondering like if he transferred any. Like if the White Vision is emerging of the White Vision. And Wanda's Vision now or something. Because in the end he just flies off. Which is like, I guess we'll see him later, but that was one of the weirder things, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so while that happens, Wanda's vision goes and uh, kind of reconciles with the kid. The kids, Wanda then takes Agatha back to a point that we saw a couple episodes ago where Agatha was going to be burned at the stake by her fellow witches. Mm-hmm. But then as those witches come back to life, they recognize Wanda as the Scarlet Witch, um, and they're going to burn her at the stake, but that's when Wanda has her big power-up moment. Mm-hmm. She becomes Super Saiyan, if that means something. I don't know. I don't. I, listen, I don't watch uh, Pokemon, so I don't know what that's a reference to. I think it's... you. Uh, I don't even know what the name of the show is, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then they have their big battle. Right, so with the wall uh, back up, um, the hex around the town, it was shut down and then it was brought back up. Wanda and Agatha are having their big battle above the town. Agatha gets Wanda in a compromising position. She's about to defeat her, and then... And then... Luckily, they reminded us from last week when a witch puts their runes around the room... Only they are the ones to allowed to cast their magic. And it turns out that when Wanda rebuilt the hex back up, she put her runes around everything, which negated Agatha's power, which, powers, which I thought was a great callback, even though oh. Wanda maybe let herself down uh, to look too defeated for too long, uh, where once they came back and the runes were back up, she should have just crushed Agatha. But this is a TV show and we need a little bit more drama in all of this. Right, but Scarlet Witch is like the Scarlet Witch. So literally, she was born to ruin Joe. Oh boy! Right. Uh, so yes. this, when she finally dis, like deals that big killing blow, quote unquote, to Agatha, this is where we see Wanda take her final form. Uh, as Todd mentioned, some sort of Gundam thing or some sort of Super Saiyan thing. Dragon we, Ball Z. There you go. That's what it was. Where we see her, Wanda, look like the vision that she saw in the flashbacks when she touched. Was it the soul gem that she touched? Mindstone. Or mind Mindstone. Where we see that full potential, that full look of what Wanda is and can be. And that's how she finally takes Agatha down. Mm-hmm. 
and then he she, he she basically goes from here on out you'll be the Agatha you made for yourself and she ends up like warping her so Agatha is the the nosy neighbor thing which to Agatha is probably like heck on earth you know what I mean like that's the worst punishment she could do to her yeah I did like that though so they wrap that up. Wanda, Vision, and the boys go back home. They tuck them in one last time. Wanda and Vision have one last moment together before Wanda takes down the hex. And her vision, the boys, the house, the life that she's created for herself are all gone. The only thing that I didn't like in all of this was the way like it was touching i do like when vision's like well we've said goodbye before so and we've said hello again so it stands to reason kind of a deal. like all that and i felt sad because the kids were going to go away and everything but the moment it, i thought it was so clunk clunky was when where vision goes before i go i have to know what am i and she's like and she just rattles out the exposition of well you're the essence of the mind stone that was in me like from my and i'm like Okay, I I think I understand that like you know not everybody is going to understand it, but I think it was implied that that's what it was. But just the way she unleashes the, the the knowledge of what he is, I just was like, I thought this does not fit here in this touching scene. If you know what I mean. Uh, I was okay with it. Um, you know, I think so many people saw this as a little bit more heady of a show than it maybe actually is or was. So if you need to do a little bit of beating you over the head with the exposition on a piece like this at the very end, I'm fine. Right. I just think you could have had like Darcy explain it or something. You know what I mean? Like not actually tell the vision what he is. If right. I don't know. I just think there was another way to do it, but whatever, you know, and the, the townspeople end up hating Scarlet, which for what they, they did to her, she's like, they're never going to forgive me. You know what I mean? I did like that. And in the end, it's just, there's no, like, other than Agatha, it's, like, everybody's been talking. It's a, this whole uh, series has been about Scarlet Witch and her grief, which is an interesting take, you know what I mean? Like, to to do with the with the superhero. I, li- I like that. Yeah. So. so we got two post-credit sequences here. Mm-hmm. As Jimmy Woo, the FBI, are cleaning up the mess that S.W.O.R.D. had made. Um, and then somebody from the FBI shows up and grabs Monica and says, hey, uh, you know, we have some people that want to talk to you here in private about kind of what happened. Takes them into the movie theater in the middle of town. There's no people there. Turns out not an FBI person, a scroll person. Right. Says, I'm a friend of a friend of your mother's. Uh, they want to talk to you up there. And, uh. Looks like we have what Monica's next big adventure is going to be. She's going off into outer space uh, mm. to kind of fill the boots of what we saw in the Captain Marvel movies. Right. And maybe she'll run into Nick Fury, Joe. Maybe, since he's out there too. With the scrolls and whatnot. And then we get one more post credit sequence where we get like a big sweeping vista over mountains and rivers and trees. And we see Wanda, you know, just in her... Uh, her sweats, enjoying a, a a cup of coffee, walking into the house, maybe getting something off of the stove. And as we pan by her, we see the Scarlet Witch in a room 
uh, going through um, the Book of the Damned, the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, uh, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on in there. And in the distance, we hear the kids are calling to her. Yep, for help. I felt like that that was the astral plane version of Scarlet Witch. Kind right. Of like, which that I didn't know if you, if people knew, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I kind of like all that. And I was guessing that that was a, a like, in the mountains of Sokovia where she grew up, you know? At least that's what I think. Um, Sure, it doesn't really matter where it is, uh, but it is... Uh you know, where it needs to be, away from everyone. Right. So, all in all, Todd, what did you think of the series? What did you think of the, se- the the finale? What did you think? What did you think? I really, really liked it. Um, I, I was fine with the finale because I forgot to send you an article that I wanted to, where I saw the showrunners were saying, like, there's going to be a lot of people underwhelmed by this because so many people had built up so many theories yeah, you know, like that. That it's Pietro. That it's Mephisto. And it's like, no. In the end, it's just a. After it came out, he's like, no. It's just a uh, a show about a hero and her grief. And yeah, there is a baddie, but it's not the baddie didn't create the situation and everything like that. And I'm, I'm like, overall, you know what? I'm 100 fine with it because did I want Reed Richards? Yes. Did I want other stuff? Did I want you know somebody all this stuff? Yeah, but I didn't need it because I think they stuck the landing on the show and um boy did if anything uh disney and the marvel cinematic universe took from actual comics is boy do they know how to lead one thing right into another because now i'm ready for you know doctor strange and i'm ready for the nick fury show and i'm pumped for you know falcon winter soldier so good job boys you got my money again Right, and obviously once we're in the middle of watching something like this, even beforehand, I do my best to avoid any sort of stuff like that. And it Mm -hmm. is tough to avoid everything. You know, I have and had every iteration of WandaVision muted on my social media, but Mm -hmm. stuff would still always slip in, you know? Right. Um, But, you know, in, in my own personal whatever... Any Marvel TV movie, whatever project that doesn't have Spider-Man and at least two or three of his villains is a failure, you know, but (laughs) somehow Marvel is actually able to put together good things without having Spider-Man and everything. I'm not Mm. sure how they do it, but they certainly do it. Um, I, (laughs) sorry. No, they do it well too. (laughs) Right. They do it well. Um, I like this a lot beginning to end. Um, Mm -hmm. it, I think it told a great narrative. It was, uh, you know, a good mystery. There was a lot of fun in it. Like I said, it was very heartwarming. It was very touching. It was very different. And it was so, I think, outside of the box, what a lot of people would have expected at first from something that would air on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and this getting to be the first thing sets the template for, like, here's what we can do. With a show like this, and I think we had talked off mic about this, saying that I don't think you're going to get the grief and the drama and the mister the direction uh, in Falcon Winter Soldier as you did here. Oh, no. Like we discussed, I think that's Falcon Winter Soldier is going to be so straightforward. It's ridiculous. You know what right. I mean? And it's going to be you can't do six one divisions in a row. Mm-hmm. You have to be just like the Marvel movies. You know, you have to do. 
you know, a spy movie with this in it. You have to do a heist movie with this in it. You have to do, uh, you know, a, a drama about a person's grief, but you tell it in the Marvel way, in the cinematic way. And I know there's a lot of people that are, whatever their their, their hangups are in regards to the Marvel universe and the comic book stuff. I'm a comic book person. I'm a comic book guy. I love this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So to see these things that I've read for the past 30 plus years, um, not only like created on the silver screen, the small screen, but done well. Mm-hmm. Um, is awesome. So do I have blinders on for a lot of the stuff? Maybe. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I see people say like, oh, the ending was disappointing. And I'm like, I don't know. I thought it's exactly what it needed to be, you know? That's the thing. And I think the great part about this is, like you said, is like Marvel gets it in that they needed WandaVision to be nine episodes. And I don't feel like there was too much filler. I was on board right from the beginning. There were some naysayers. And I get it, whatever. You don't like it. Um, but all the way through, I didn't feel like I was bored at any point. And I like the idea that uh, Falcon Winter Soldier is going to only be six episodes. I'm like, if that's your story, then that's the way it should be. You know what I mean? And I look forward to it because I saw a trailer for Loki a little bit. And that looks like we're going to get back to it. And I'm not going to say WandaVision itself, um, the style of it. But it looks like the Loki thing is going to be really quirky and different too. So I'm I'm all about having your WandaVision than having your straightforward espionage whatever story that Falcon Winter Soldier is going to be then do something weird and mystical with Loki then give me Ms. Marvel you know a young kid and the kind of the Spider-Man trope if you know what I mean as a kid I'm fine with it, it and and like you said they do it they do it well so I don't know if you, if you didn't like it you didn't like it but I loved it you know, from beginning to end. I had like few small problems, but otherwise I'm with you. It's great to see comics, like the stuff that I grew up on, just done well, like you said. So I'm, I'm in your, yeah. Opinion. You know, we, we live through, uh, the, the David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury, uh, TV <laughs> movie. We live through the Matt Fewer generation next TV movie. You know, we live through the trash. Right. Uh, let us enjoy this time where they're actually making, it may not be for you, but quality entertainment around these comic book properties, you know? Yes, people don't understand that we're from a time where you didn't get many comic book properties. When you did, they were usually terrible. Right. They were usually terrible, but we had to support them so we could get more terrible stuff in hopes that one of them would be good, you know? And then... Batman hit and that kind of changed everything. Right. You know, so. But I recommend WandaVision. If I had more time in my life, um, I would sit down and watch the whole thing beginning to end. I enjoyed it that much. Right. Yep. But now you got to go on to like, you know, you get a week off, a little bit of flash. Yep. And then back into the, to the breach, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, and I'm okay with that because as you mentioned, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier is six episodes. I could I could do six episodes, stand in my head. Exactly. So that's it for this. Uh, maybe this is you wrapping up episode five forty five of Longbox Heroes. Thank you very much for bearing with us with this extra long episode. Uh, for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop!
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network. 